Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a new edition of the Paddock Piss. Um, here we have um, a review of the Spanish Grand Prix. This took place yesterday, Spanish Grand Prix 2020. For people who are li listening to this, I don't know, years down the line. Uh, in any case, uh, this is me, Black Sheep, from IRC, and I'm joined by Babaji. And I'm joined by a couple of new faces who have made appearance uh, on this chat with us. We've got uh, the KC66 and uh, IRC Rant with us. Welcome along, guys. How are we doing? Hello. Um, great. Uh, Hello, Black Sheep. It's good to be back again, talking about GPs. I'm glad some new friends are joining us today, especially Rant. It's been a long while talking to you. Hope to yeah. hear more from you. Good to see you again, Rant. Yeah. Yeah. Good to be here, guys. So yesterday's race was quite fun. I'm sure we will we'll have a good that. discussion on it. We we will get to that. Let's get through with the intros. Hello, Casey as well. Oh, hello guys. Glad to be here for the podcast. Casey with us. Oh Already yeah. Here. Um, sorry. Uh, hello guys. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Um, 
slightly shabby start, but we'll we'll make up for it. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's let's start off as we usually do with our first thoughts on uh, on the race yesterday. Um, and let's keep it sort of uh, simple, uh, straightforward, and quick. So my first thoughts uh, on the race yesterday were that it wasn't as boring as I expected it to be. In summary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, for my side, I was just looking at Kimi the entire race and hoping he would show <laughs> some sort of fun moments. But yeah, I guess I would call Spanish GP the ugly cousin of Monaco. It's not that glamorous and offers the same amount of racing. So I don't know, man. T1 was exciting, but then as soon as Botas did the worst start of his season, it was almost over then. I would argue with that. I don't think that was the worst start. Uh, thank you for getting hungry. Mm. Okay. That was more of a bot start in terms of the fla- flash- lights flashing on his steering wheel. So you couldn't necessarily attribute it to him. A bot uh, start. More like a bot start. Hmm. Fair enough. Because <laughs> anyway, last, yeah. last year in 2019, Hamilton had the same grid position. Mm-hmm. And he managed to get a better start to T1, so people can't, people are, some people are giving the excuse of the dirty side of the track being the right side of the track, but Hamilton got away clean last year, so this really, really should have been no problem for Bottas to try to at least get close to him into T1 and not get overtaken by a stroll of all people. So and, when I looked at the start for Bottas, just uh, whilst we're talking about the start, mm-hmm. it looked like he got away at the same time in terms of his reaction, but um, he just didn't I'm not sure if it was if it was the fact that he didn't have he just couldn't get the traction off the line. Uh, I saw both the cars moving away together, and I even remember Crofty mentioning that Bottas has had a great start, probably from simply his reaction point of view. But um, when you when you look at the helicopter shot from above, you see that they get off the line together, but Hamilton just revs up quickly. He just you know goes goes through the gears more quicker, and he's just on the power much quicker than Bottas. Yeah, I feel so too. But I think. For me, I thought a very telling part on the T1 was Botas actually tried to uh, look at Verstappen and tried to drive him wide to get a good turn into T1, but he didn't expect, I think he was more surprised by Stroll getting such a mega start. And by the time he could look in his mirror to see Stroll actually diving down his inside, he couldn't actually cover him off. And that led to a domino effect where he was sandwiched all the way up to T2. So there, the race was over there in terms of who might actually beat Hamilton. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll 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 hold off for now. I think that's a slightly elaborate version of your review summary of the race. But let's move along to uh, let's move on to Casey, and we'll get to rant uh, after that. Um, about the start? No. What's your summary? What's I mean? What what thoughts do you take away in a nutshell from the race yesterday? For example, I, as I said, it wasn't. I didn't think it was as boring as I expected it to be. Um, in terms of boring, I think uh, it was. Like, I think we all expected how boring it would be, but I think there were some bits that were that we I think enjoyed, like uh, some midfield overtaking and Kimi go, mm-hmm. going through uh, the field with two overtakes. I think he made an Ocon and some. Um, uh, other than that, I don't think there was that much to look at in to the comment race. On. Yeah, okay. I think the start was good. I mean, the Bottas, I think I expected him to do better, but um, Stroll got him, so that was kind of nice. Yeah. Yep. Rant, what are your first thoughts on the yeah, race so, yesterday? So, so, for me, it was like a traditional Spanish Grand Prix. It was mostly a professional race. 
unless someone was struggling on tire wears only then they were getting overtaken the start was quite interesting so from the dirty side of the grid bottas in the end had a poor second phase of the start perez didn't get off well but albon had a very good start from the same side and let us not forget charles leclerc he also had a mega launch but he got squeezed between the two mclarens and had to back out otherwise we would have seen a major crash in the middle of the straight then after yep. turn 2 it was pretty much professional towards the middle of the stint we saw valtteri getting past stroll after a couple of laps and then he was struggling to chase down max for most of it and eventually okay. even even with his strategy it didn't really work out for him not his day cool so we'll get to individual drivers as we move up the order uh, as we usually do starting from the bottom um but okay it doesn't seem to be a lot that you guys have to say generically about the race that was very eventful a couple of points i heard were about you know the start how the tires were degrading uh and i think somebody mentioned kimi so i guess that's in summary what our thoughts initially are if we start from the bottom um the race results um uh, i think p20 we've got to start with was uh, leclerc uh dnf um what did you think about how his engine just stopped and snapped in the middle baba i think i think it was more of a driver error because we haven't really heard anything from the ferrari side yet but that's all pure speculation uh leclerc was on a good or how do i say was on a good one stop strategy to be going on so i think probably he got a little overconfident with this car and that is quite of a slow corner so if you do spin it's probably quite hard to catch the clutch in time to not stall the car so i think that was really? yeah i think don't think it was a, i think it was mostly a driver because he started the car immediately after that and he was continuing yeah but you didn't think there was anything wrong with the engine because i i was i saw the video of the onboard with him after he restarted the car and then he did a couple of laps the engine was just not on power at all hmm. he was going very slowly there was no power in the engine yeah he was complaining though before also about something feeling wrong with the engine but i think that was what look i can't confirm actually someone one of the ferrari drivers was complaining about the engine before or i don't know his one stop was that corner seems tricky if you are quite slow in there if you spin the there's very hard to catch the clutch this is my opinion hmm. okay interesting others any thoughts on leclerc um i think leclerc was fighting really hard with i think it was lando norris so Or his son Gasly then, yeah. Yep. Um, until that that point, it was going really good for him, and he was um, pushing the limit of the car. So, and but I don't think engine was his error on. But it, it, I think it was Ferrari the engine itself, not him um, <coughs> the stalling the engine. Yeah because he did yeah, also so say that he tried to restart it and he couldn't get it restarted uh, so he yes, undid yes. undid the belt and then they asked him to try once again very last oh, time yes, and yes. then it started it so started the, the fact that the engine wasn't coming back up anyway I'm pretty sure there was something wrong with the car itself. Yep. Rant sorry to cut you in uh cut over you but go ahead please. Yeah so Ferrari actually have confirmed that it's an electrical fault. They haven't okay. mentioned which fault specifically but they did confirm it was an electrical fault because we could see from on board that is in dashboard just uh, the display went off and his yeah. engine just cut off there was literally no sound and that usually doesn't happen in a race we see engines failing but 
not completely cutting off. So it was some sort of fault. So Ferrari will let us know eventually what exactly happened. And as a driver, it would be really uncomfortable for him because he was having a good time in the race. He was hounding Lando Norris quite a bit. And then yeah. all of a sudden, if anyone noticed the lap before, he actually fell off the back of Norris. The gap yeah. was about a second and a half. And then his engine cut off. So I think the issue started a lap, a lap and a half earlier. I was Maybe happy for yeah, Sorry, it, go ahead. it could have been that he ran a bit wide at turn 10, if you guys remember, while trying to overtake Lando Norris. Maybe the oh, yeah. software had something to do with his engine. Because those can be really tricky. Fair enough. I was just going to say that I was I was probably happy uh, for the first time seeing Ferraris together run that up the order. I think they were running P5, P6 together. And it looked like they were going to do a comfortable one-stop. Um and for once, I was starting to feel happy for them. But yeah, Ferrari. Yeah, true. Ferrari. Even I, you know, I was like praying, like, sure, let Vettel finish above Leclerc once at least this season. And I'm like, <laughs> and then this happened, and I was like, not, not this like way. this, not not yeah. like this, <laughs> not like this, please, just not in this way. Uh, so yeah. Okay. What do you guys think of the whole thing about his seatbelt? I think he had uh, given up about uh, like the race. He thought it's dead, the engine won't start. And so he, I guess he removed it. And while driving back, uh, the one last lap, I think it flew off. It's, I, I, that's what he said on the radio, I suppose. And the, he also informed his team uh, about keeping a seatbelt clip ready, I suppose. And But the team wasn't ready. And that's, I think, that's the reason why it got delayed a lot. Oh. Yeah, true. I mean... If uh, those things happen in the heat of the moment, so you can't really ask him to think about it in a methodical way. So he had to just go on with the race once the car started. So I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. It's not as dangerous as it was. Some of his other antics probably, like last year Japan or something. Yeah, do you think it was okay for him to not tell the team for two laps that he had undone his seatbelt? I mean, it is completely unethical, but I understand it because it's in the heat of the moment, like I said. So that's true. Because he, we can't actually say that it's, he was malicious on his part because he always tells his team, Pitwal, that should he retire or not, is he being dangerous or not. So I guess I still stick with the benefit of the doubt part. Well, I, what I'm trying to say is that if the team had known, I think they would have asked him to come in straight away without, you know, trying to get the car going, etc. But it was two laps later that he said, oh, I did the seatbelt. And he even said that I'm, 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 my body's, I think, jumping around the cockpit. I mean, he said that, okay, I'm okay with it, but I don't think it's safe. Um, I don't think that was right for him to do that. But it's Ferrari. They didn't retire him in Japan last year, so I don't think they would have that. No, but what I'm saying is that the team, team wasn't aware that he had done that. Right? Yeah, but they were aware in Japan, and they didn't retire him either way. So I don't think they will come and do it again. That's Ferrari after all. So yeah, yeah Ferrari after all. Okay, let's move on from <clears throat> Leclerc. So uh, we have uh, there's only one retirement in Leclerc yesterday. No, the actually, last managed... yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, actually, can we just uh, stay on Leclerc for a moment? Because I of think course. if I would take a look into this no seat belt thing, because they take yeah. safety really seriously, and exactly. while he was driving without his seat belt on, he could have had a crash, and that could have eventually killed him. So I think FIA will take a look at it really, really seriously. And he yeah, might get reprimanded uh, for right. his actions. I, I will not be surprised if they do. 
<coughs> if that does happen. But did he yeah. come in that same lap or did he go one more lap without that seat belt? No, no, no sir. I don't would... think it matters. Uh, accordingly, uh, as per safety rules, he should not be driving at all without his seat belts on, because yeah. even a single corner could be disastrous. We don't know a wheel could, a tire could fail. Anything uh, can happen in the race. So yeah, driving without seat belt is just too dangerous. In answer to your question, Casey, he he had spun just before the pit entry, so he he went past the pit entry, did one lap, and then did one more. So he was out for two laps. Okay, that I think, yeah, I think he's going to get investigated for that. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, last of the finishes, as I was mentioning, Romain Grosjean. Um, he seemed to have a good form so far in the year, um, at least in performing better than Magnussen. Um, but I'm not really sure what happened to him yesterday. Uh, did he have some trouble in the car? Yeah, I don't think so. It's probably strategy or something because he qualified uh, 16th or something or 17th. Yeah, he qualified above the Williams and then overtaken by both of the Williams. Yeah, so it's quite a weird thing. It's probably his strategy. He wasn't happy after the race from what he said, but that's Grosjean usually with his comments. So I don't know on his race. We didn't get to see much in terms of his regards of his race. He was quite ahead towards the end of the race when other drivers pitted and came back and probably overtook him. On the fresh high tires, so yeah, yeah, they probably just pitted him too late. That probably was mm. it. I don't think I mean, we'll have much more to add on Grosjean unless yeah. Baba, you've got more. No, no, Latifi beats you. There's some problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah talking about Latifi, we've got the two Williams, Latifi P18, Russell P17. Um, one thing I've got to mention about Latifi, I think he was much closer to Russell in qualifying and in race pace. Uh, yesterday. But uh, do you consider being half a second off your teammate in the same car as close? No, he wasn't half a second off. I think one of the quality in the Q3, I think in the first run, Russell made a mistake. So I think Latifi was quicker than Russell. And in their second run in Q... No, sorry, not Q3, Q1, um, Latifi was only off by, I think, two tenths or three tenths. But it was much closer than it was before, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I... I've opened some sort of a quality chart here, so it. I know it was half. Yeah, it was the four, four and a half, half tens. Yeah, four and a half tens. So that is decent, but like I mean, we shouldn't actually bash him so much. As Russell is quite a world-class driver, huge standard up. So that man is a legend. So let's just let, let Latifi be. And I'm more happy that Williams actually beat another car on race pace. So. Yeah. Be it either Haas's strategy issues or whatever, the, both the Williams finished above Haas on race pace, so that's a good finish for them. Yeah, fair e enough. Even, even in qualifying, Russell was, I think, uh, a hundredth uh, of Grosjean's qualifying. So I think yeah. Williams should take that as a positive in any case. I, I'd like to know uh, Rand's thoughts on Russell. What do you think about him, bro? Yeah, he, his qualifying was quite good. He was quite a bit faster than his teammate. But still, the Williams car is not as good as we had hoped at the preseason practice. But we can wait and see how they behave in the other coming tracks. I think Spa should be pretty decent for them. Uh, the Mercedes engine is still really good. But mm. Russell had the okay race, I would say. His car just didn't allow him to do much with it. Yeah, true. His car is truly the bottleneck. That's about it. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because if you think about it, uh, according to those recent 
power charts it's mercedes is like a uh, hundred hp more if i'm not wrong yes almost so, almost, so if yeah. you take away that and if you put a normal renault or honda engine it wouldn't even be close to haas or alfa romeo it's still like would lack five tenths of so it's true, the true. engine so the car is still quite crap i say true 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 got it they've got they figure out the quality pace but the quality pace is purely to probably out my i would say is dragging the investors they need to shine somewhere right so they're performing quite decent in quality but this quality was still lackluster for them in terms of how they were doing in the other other tracks which shows that their aero kit is still not on par with their engine so let's hope that they perform better on the lower downforce spectrum of tracks so yeah we should move on to giovanazzi yeah. though right yeah, i he think had some he high issues didn't he i think qualifying certainly probably he qualified dead last and quite a far a bit from latifi but he salvaged his race beautifully i would say finishing p16 from p20 is quite a good achievement especially in he was competing he beat almost everyone who he was competing barring magnuson but magnuson had a mega start and probably the superior strategy so yeah i'd say i will give jonathan some decent points for this weekend well essentially he only went past the two williams grosjean was screwed over by i think late pit stopping and then Leclerc DNF so would yeah, you, would you No I mean because they literally he's competing only against them both so like yeah Kimi yeah Kimi had a mega weekend so let's chuck him out of there and Magnussen I feel he they figured they did them good with the tires cuz he started on softs gained quite a few positions and then managed to Kimi in the end managed to overtake him which was quite to my delight but yeah Giovanazzi, I would still say P twenty to P sixteen is the most you could probably would have done. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, uh, I think we've covered both the horses, including Magnussen. You've mentioned about their start. Um, I've been waiting for this one. Kimi Raikkonen, fantastic qualifying. I think he qualified. Was he P fourteen or P fifteen yes. on the grid? P fourteen. P fourteen. He beat Ocon. Yes. Uh, let's the uh, Kent this time around. You're breaking up a bit. Can you speak, Black Sheep? Okay, we think we lost Black Sheep for a bit there. So, Kimi Raikkonen, um, Casey, yeah, come on. Okay, um, Kimi. I think I already said it during the start. Um, great performance by him. He he did what he could with that car, but uh, it's still a good <coughs> result from him. I think he was yeah, I think uh, on form. So yeah, he outperformed his car this weekend. Rand, what do you think of him out, uh, beating Ocon in qualifying? Yeah, I think he had a great lap in qualifying. 1.3 seconds faster than his teammate is a big, big margin in Formula 1. And during the race, the most important thing was that he is now, he has the most miles of any driver. True, true, true. So the milestone day for him. And somewhere, he'll be the most experienced driver ever in F1. To think he has in F1 since 2001. Yes, quite a long a time. Won a world championship, left the sport, came back, won a few more races, and now towards the end, towards the twilight of his career, he's languishing down at the bottom. That's the only sad part of his entire story. He's mm. languishing bottom car at the very end. Yeah, no one can offer him a better drive. That's quite sad a bit, but yeah, he's yeah. still and sitting there outperforming his car. I agree with you. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, and he had a really dangerous moment in the race. I think with it was with uh, Ocon. Okay. No, I think it was Grosjean. He tried overtaking Grosjean, and Grosjean just moved late. So they 
could have had a dangerous accident. Yeah, yes, typical, uh, typical. No, I was just going to mention, wasn't that going up to turn one when <clears throat> Grosjean took the escape route? Yeah, mm. so that was a couple of laps later. Just before that, he made a really dangerous move. Oh, no, no, it was uh, Kimi Fine. behind him trying to overtake and then suddenly moved at the very last moment, I think, uh, before the yeah. braking zone, which was really dangerous. And I mean, yeah, Kim, I don't Kimi know. had to pull out to the left just to avoid him. Mm, this is typical, typical. Yeah, but my point was still sticking more to Ocon and his P15 finish. Would you account that to uh, Ocon's failure on the weekend, or his car, or is this Kimi who had a mega, mega weekend? What do you think? So a bit of both. Kimi had a great weekend, and Ocon didn't have a great weekend. Even from the very beginning, we saw in practice he was struggling, and also in practice he just had a small accident while trying to avoid Magnussen. So his sure. weekend got off to a rocky start and he never really recovered throughout the race. He was yep. quite a bit far behind Ricardo from the beginning and ended up there. That's fair enough, guys. I think he, uh, Kimi, I think Black Sheep also has some thoughts on him. What do you think? No, I, I, I enjoyed Kimi's performance. Um, amazing. I think even the commentators during the race said that it shows on a track where Kimi has certainly a lot of experience. Um, even if you're not in the best car on the grid, uh, your experience over the years on a specific track um, can help you. Hmm. Uh, this was Alpha's best performance all season, right? Barring the first race where we had multiple DNFs. I guess it's seen there. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Probably the car was suited more to this track. But my opinion is that this track is uh, extremely driver track, even though for us viewers it's quite a um, bore fest. But it's quite a technical track in terms of how how you maximize your car around the circuit. And experience did show in the st final standing charts that the more experienced drivers obviously had a certain edge over mm -hmm. the younger drivers in terms of yep. how they handle their car. So Kimi showed up brilliantly this weekend. I guess we can move on forward now. Ocon, yeah, we covered him a bit. So, this is a question about Kimi. And I think we've lost. No, he's still here. They're breaking up a bit, Black Sheep. Uh, we'll just move on to Kiviad for a while now. And then we'll come back for the question which Black Sheep's setting up for us from the viewers. What do you think about Kiviad's performance this weekend, Casey? Um, Kiviad, I. I don't know. He wasn't quite seen in the race. I mean, he, he where did he qualify? He qualified uh, 12 P12. So he didn't gain any position, didn't lose any position. Um, I, I not much to say about Kvyat because uh, we did not see him that much. I mean, mm, he doesn't have much much of experience. <laughs> yeah, he he almost couldn't. He tried to take Vettel, I guess, on softs. Oh yeah, he was a... chasing him, yes, but he yes. couldn't. In his first stint, he was quite fast in his first stint, but then we didn't really see him after that. Once Vettel's mediums got up to pace, he just managed to stay ahead, and then eventually there was nothing special about Kvyat's race, except yeah, that was... one moment, just one moment where we felt like we would be seeing the torpedo back in action. All oh, right, all right. So he, he, because even we, I remember seeing. I thought it'd be more like a deja vu from last year, where I think Kvyat overtook Kimi on the outside of turn three. Is it? 
So here he was doing the same on Vettel, but Vettel was on a harder compound on the mediums, and Kvyat possibly did the overtake, but Vettel got him back by the next sector, and then he was just sitting behind Vettel's gearbox for the rest of the race until the pit strategies came in. So I guess you can chalk his race down to uneventful and probably just overdriving his car like he usually does. So that's fine. We can move on to possibly Ricardo. Was looking up after his last few performances, but came up lackluster in qualifying this week and in the race trim. He was fighting Vettel all the race, and he has an extra pit stop on Vettel. So I guess it didn't work out for him this weekend. Right, Casey? Yep, I, I think I agree with you. Um, I guess both uh, Ocon and uh, Ricardo, I think... Uh, they tried their well, but I don't think the even the car was up to the mark, I suppose, as it was for McLaren and uh, possibly even Alpha Tori, as uh, Pierre Gasly showed us. So, I don't... Th- it was not a great weekend, but they did their best, even Daniel. Mm, true. Ryan, what are your thoughts, bro? Do you think the Renault package overall for this weekend just wasn't up to the mark? No, not at all. So, Renault is quite a low-down force car and we know Spain is all about downforce. Probably a bit higher side of downforce because of all the long corners. So the Renault package just isn't suited for this track. And it showed in the race. Neither of them had good pace overall. Ocon was downright struggling and even Ricardo couldn't do anything magical with his talents. Mm, true. He is a mega driver, but he just, you need to give him, especially Ricardo's strengths, as you might say, is probably his overtaking. And this track didn't help him at all in that aspect, that there is possibly absolutely no overtaking chances here. There's absolutely zero overtaking spot. Turn 1 isn't really an overtaking spot, not enough breaking there. And the straight down to turn 10 just isn't long enough. Okay. So it's, it's quite a boring circuit. There's a reason for it. Yeah, it's, it's again boring to watch, but probably fun to drive. That's, that is the motto of all these boring circuits. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Even Monaco, it's great to drive here alone, but not a good place to race at all. Same yes. with Spain. True, true. So, we got a question from our viewers. I'm opening, opening it to both of you all. Alpha Tori has a good chassis or a mega chassis as because they are, you know, Red Bull's junior team and they are known for good chassis. So, do you think Honda is actually limiting their performance in terms of how could they compete? Um, uh, to be honest, not quite sure about the engine side. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure they're doing their best because they are they're using the same engines in the Red Bull and they definitely want to push if they want to catch Mercedes. So, I don't think Honda is... Uh, on the back foot, but um, yeah, if if you put if if we put a Mercedes engine in Alfa Tauri, I think it would be right up um, between it would sit between Racing Point and McLaren. Right now, it's sort of struggling maybe because of that less power. I suppose. True, true, true. I agree with you too. Ryan, what are your thoughts, bro? Yeah, I think their chassis is good, but it's not as good as Red Bull because they don't use Red Bull's chassis of the, for the same year. And FIA also regulates that they cannot use all the same parts. Yes, so, you're right. On chassis, and they all, again, just like Renault, they also tend to run a bit less downforce. We know Red Bull run a lot of downforce, and others don't just follow suit. So, I don't think Honda has anything to do with them. They just give, they just supply engines to both Red Bull and AlphaTauri, same specs, and then it's up to the team to optimize their cars the way they want. 
develop their chassis accordingly and alpha tauri just cannot do it for true 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 i agree with both of the sentiments but i do feel that they the strong performances that gasly is showing in the alpha tauri they could use a little boost in uh, their performance department in terms because the chassis is just definitely not showing any issues it was mostly them struggling with their tires or something so i guess that answers the question we can probably move on to the final points finishes landon norris comes up first with one point in terms of his qualifying he qualified p8 and he finished p10 so it's definitely not looking up for him probably got shafted in the strategy side what do you think guys um i suppose landon norris uh, i don't think it was his weekend he was he was he was trying he was battling with uh, Charles I mean he tried his best but I don't think he, it quite suited him with the setup and the car but I will I don't know he tried his best I suppose yeah rant your thoughts bro I think so too he did try to overtake Gasly when they were stuck in a they, when they were all stuck behind Magnussen but then it just didn't work out for him he just drifted out of the race eventually but a point for a point is something from from a not less than ideal weekend he did say something post race that he wasn't aggressive enough into t1 and that's where the entire race builds upon on so i guess he probably missed his chance missed the jump completely so uh, then so domino effect towards how strategies work i we joined by a favorite man you know wdc of irc adil chinoy what do you think of landon norris uh hey guys uh Sorry, I, I'm tapping in for Black Sheep here. He did does seem to have a few technical issues. Uh, but coming down to Lando Norris, I think uh, he drove uh, a good, stable race. Uh, it wasn't the Lando of old, or not of old. I mean, uh, the rest of the season that we've uh, we've actually gotten used to seeing. Uh, I, I strongly feel that if he had probably gone for a slightly more aggressive strategy, taken a few more risks, and I think he said this as well, he probably would have uh, finished. uh closer to his teammate true true i agree i agree it's, it's in all in all his weekend we didn't see much he didn't do much so we'll just chalk it off to as a average weekend for him still a points finish nothing too shabby but he was beaten by an alpha tori in pierre gasly who has been amazing and showing stellar performances all season what do you think about him rand yeah uh Gasly had a pretty good race. So, at the start of the race, he got a good launch, got past Leclerc, and he managed to stay there pretty comfortably. And eventually, he was trying to take Vettel towards the end of the race, but just didn't have enough pace. Yeah, he was he was awfully close to Albon for quite some time during the race, and that was the telling factor for me in terms of how Gasly is again along the likes of Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. uh and George Russell are performing his car in almost every aspect and or oh, that being said that being said i think alpha tauri are probably second in the midfield only to racing point when it comes to race pace call me crazy but i found that they have significantly faster pace most of the time than even let's say the likes of the ferrari or the mclaren or the renault they always make up positions they do tend to get stuck in drs trains uh, and again touching upon the 
uh, upon the engine power. So I'm I'm not really I don't think the gap between the Alpha Tauri and the Red Bull is uh, more than let's say 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 of a second. I know that's a lot in Formula One terms, but if you compare it to the Red Bull uh, and Alpha Tauri quali pace, that doesn't seem so much anymore. Yeah, but Kvyat fails to actually show up most of the time, so we don't. Uh, that again opens the debate as to car versus driver, as to who's better, and if actually Pierre is outperforming or if Kvyat is underperforming his car. Yeah. So I don't know, but I I am slightly inclined to you to say that they are one of the strongest midfield teams out there. Barring some bottlenecks, they can actually be up there at points in every race. Casey, what are your thoughts on the Alpha Tori? Um, I think. Um, <laughs> I I said the same thing about just what Adil said. Like uh, Alpha Tori has the pace, and it would sit between McLaren and Racing Point if it had that Mercedes sort of level of power in uh, in the engine. But um, Kvyat, I think, yeah, he sort of makes the team look bad which it is not i mean pierre gasly i think he's shown what the car is capable of and it's it's he's pushing it to the limit absolutely um True. but uh, he's co- also continuously scoring points as well so that's a good thing for him he was one of the top 10 qualifiers who actually improved on his position as he qualified p10 and came up p9 doesn't seem much but remember it's spain guys any you can take anything you can get and we move on to the guy who couldn't actually improve on his position and surprise it's not Vettel it's actually Alexander Albon qualified P6 but managed to finish P8 on a track which should have suited the Red Bulls in terms of chassis and short wheelbase performance what are your thoughts on that run what do you think on Albon as a driver and where he on his performance this weekend in this race I actually rate Albon pretty high as a driver. He has been a bit unlucky with uh, Lewis Hamilton and all those missed podiums. But I think yesterday wasn't just good enough for him. And he was also handicapped by the Red Bull strategy. Pitting so early onto the hard tires, getting stuck behind traffic. I think that handicapped him a lot during the race. True. With a Honda engine, is just pretty difficult. Just almost impossible on this track. So but the Honda engine is worse or better than the Ferrari engine, right? It's better than the, but it's nowhere near that of uh, Mercedes level. Oh, that's that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. And I would say it's worse than Renault engine also. Like probably level. probably on par with Ferrari's engine. The, even the, better. <laughs> have you guys noticed the Renault engine sounds a lot like a Formula E car? Yeah. It, yeah the yeah, MG UK component is so loud over there uh, on true, the car. True. True, true. Yeah. It's quite uh, sounds like a transformer. Yeah, old people who have been watching F1 for 15, 20 years, they just love that sound. The yeah. engines being. I think got... some of those V8s and V10s and V12s. Yeah, it's so got so... a really high pitched sound. It does remind me of the old times. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. There, there's a reason the Lexus LFA is one of the most sought after cars in the world. Uh, that engine is built to sound like a Formula One car. So, yeah, a little off topic, but just a fun fact. Oh, LFA is like a crying beast. It's another know? level. Yeah, all V10s are amazing. V10s can't be compared with. <laughs> you know that v- they tested that car uh, with a, a champagne glass, and the vibrations that were let out by the engine 
and the sound of the engine alone actually broke that champagne glass. That's how beautiful the LFA sounds. That's just an interesting test that they did at Lexus. Uh, they worked on their engine with Yamaha, so do check that car out if you have a few minutes. Yeah. Back on the terms of talking about our race trim, Albon definitely got botassed in a sense in how he got used as a laborate to test how what strategy would seem better on the track at that given moment. But he got pushed into traffic and he was stuck trying to desperately overtake around few of the midfield midfield cars, although being much much higher on the performance charts. But I feel like it's more of a trend with the young drivers to actually take moves, unnecessary moves into some places which could actually, you know, in terms like sort of kill their tires if they fail the move or possibly even have an incident. And I didn't feel that it was a strong weekend from Albon. But yeah, Arant is also completely right. The strategy didn't help his cause at all. That he could, he probably would have finished exactly where he started if should the strategy have gone equal. But he, if Bottas, suppose, didn't uh, underperform this weekend, again, Verstappen wouldn't have had a teammate to help him out in terms of breaking the Mercedes strategy. What do you think about that, Adil? Yeah, I think uh, I was just at the moment you started, got onto the Albon topic, I uh, immediately was going to say that unless Max, Max is basically getting bullied right now by the two Mercedes. They could undercut Lewis, Max would be forced to pit, they could undercut Bottas, Max would be forced to pit. It, it would, it's basically a double whammy against Max. And all Albon has to do is stay within the 20 seconds of the Mercedes that that Max is doing more than enough. He's doing that well enough, but yet Albon is not being able to stay within that 20 seconds. So in a in race trim, you can sufficiently say that Verstappen is 25, 30 seconds faster, at least, Easily. around the same track in one race. And that is not something which... And that is what handicapped Albon. Not, not just the Red Bull strategy. I agree they... Um, they kind of put him on the back foot with putting on onto hards in traffic so early, but yeah, a combination of a lot of things. Albon needs to up his game, have a better quality, maybe whatever the problems are. Albon needs to up his game if Verstappen is to be given a chance of competing with Lewis. Yeah, because let's not forget about the lapping incident <clears throat> when Verstappen was pitted just so that he wouldn't lap his own teammate. That was quite embarrassing to be honest there was yeah. he was this he was four or five car lengths away from lapping albon before first happened got pulled into the pits for his pit stop so i mean doesn't help his cause at all yeah. but what an interesting point by black sheep he says uh verstappen could not have done anything anyway uh even with albon his tires were gone bottas didn't force him to stop agreed uh agreed with that black sheep i'm just saying that in Silverstone, for example, if Mercedes had played their cards better and were not driving equal, equal um, against, or they weren't allowed to fight, Mercedes could have really messed with Verstappen. And you will see that happening later in the season once Hamilton builds up a bigger lead. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spain aside, Albon needs to up his game. Yeah, that's exactly the point in terms of how it was Bottas's uh, bad performance, which probably made Max's race easier. 
should he have been performing on the this usual level then again is what we're talking about the uh, splitting strategies would come into him they would possibly just bully him into doing what they feel like and max would have absolutely no risk but this is these past two weekends and the hungry weekend everywhere you see botas something or other going wrong with them so max is probably running away with the race easily speed yep. to what he can do maximum Casey, would you like to add something on Albon? Actually, Casey, there's one point I actually want you to touch upon. It's a question from, uh, from Arav, a very, a very uh, intense member of our community. Uh, you're a Red Bull expert, Casey, and he says, should I, what do you think? Should Albon actually be replaced? Um, if and uh, or or do you think that Red Bull, given the right car, can win a constructor with this driver pairing? Um, I think. Uh, if if we talk about Elvan, I yes he lacks a lot of performance in race pace, but also I I have hope for him that he's improving every race. Like uh, he he was struggling with Q3 appearances I think, um, but this week he got that sort of sorted. But he still needs to work a lot, and I I, I still have hope for him that he'll improve slowly, since the. I mean, in his junior performance, he's he's done better. Even George Russell is backing him up, and um, so I don't know. I still have hope for him. And to be honest, there isn't quite anybody who can replace Albon for now. I mean, I don't see uh, any Red Bull Junior driver that would uh, do better than Albon. Even Pierre Gasly had his chance and he blew it. Even if he's performing um, very well on in the uh, Alpha Tauri. Uh, okay, I'd like to open one more question to you guys. In terms of how Gasly performed last year up till Spa, and Albon has performed up till now till Spa, which is the next race, who do you think had the worst go effort? Rand, let's send it to you. I think Albon's done a bit better than Gasly because he has been in contention for a couple of podiums, even though things didn't go his way. But Gasly mm-hmm. was. Never- I think he only had a single top four finish, and he was never close to any podiums or anything, even with uh, bad luck for any other driver. So yeah, but last last year there were six top drivers with Ferrari being up there fighting for the wins. This year it's been reduced down to four, with only Red Bulls probably holding the candle up to Mercedes. So I would say that is right up there, but it's not the same as how Gasly would have been. Yeah, I, I certainly feel Albon's done better. Um, brand. Last year, we were just atrocious at Spain, at Hungaroring, and Monaco. So, these are the tracks where you would expect Gasly to be beating them. He didn't do enough at mm. any of You're right. Because you're right. Ferrari were a minute behind Mercedes at Hungaroring. You're right. You're right. The, he was lackluster. That's true. Yeah, compared to Gasly, I think Albon is still a lot more daring when he's when it comes to moves like going around the outside, or uh, like when we saw in Silverstone the way he overtook and got back up the field. So he, I think he he has better side by side racing skill in the Red Bull than what Pierre Gasly had when he was in the Red Bull. Fair enough, Adil. Do you wanna close this up? Yeah, I think as soon as Albon improves his quality, uh, there'll be no competition between Albon and Gasly anymore. The problem is Albon doesn't seem to put a lap together in quality and it compromises him throughout the race weekend. Uh, so yeah, once he solves that problem, I, th- I don't think there's going to be a conversation of Albon versus Gasly anymore. 
Okay, guys, I think we need to move on to the hot topic of the weekend again, as always. Sebastian Vettel. And is he's the Formula One driver of the day, which is quite, you know, shocking given that's not Max again for no reason. So I agree with the Formula One's driver of the day. He did a stellar race, showed his experience, showed his professionalism. And like I was saying before, this track is purely experience-based track. If you got the experience here, the guys who had more miles on the road, they obviously showed their potential here. So Vettel did a stellar job, even though he got shafted in the strategy, which is, again, abysmal from Ferrari's part. Yeah. What do you think, Grant, about Vettel's performance this weekend? Vettel uh, did not get the best of start in his qualifying, but his race was quite good. I think Ferrari almost shafted his strategy once again, Ferrari being Ferrari. They put him a bit too early from mediums to soft, knowing that soft lasting for, I think he soft lasted over 37, 38 laps in total. Or something like 30 laps, rather. So that was really difficult for him to manage even eventually, but he still managed to hold back Alban, even though Alban was on. Yeah, one of our viewers pointed out that they pitted Vettel uh, at the same time as they pitted Leclerc, who was on softs. So that is, again, quite abysmal, to be honest. What do you think? I don't think... I think even Pirelli would say that mediums would be struggling for 38 laps, let alone softs. So Ferrari just shafted his strategy. True, true, true. They, but he did he did a mega performance in terms of managing his pace. And he was at one point, I believe, P5 or something. But he didn't lose much positions towards the end. So kudos to him. Adil, your boy? Yeah. I think that there's no, there's no conversation about Vettel anymore. Um, there's no conversation because uh, he's doing a better job as team principal than Matteo Bernardo right now. True. Um, and I mean that in the harshest way possible. Uh, I don't mean that Vettel is doing a great job as team principal. It's, he's going above and beyond his role. He is playing the role of strate- strategist while battling drivers at a 300 kilometers per hour. He's driving a severely handicapped car. And when I say handicapped, I don't mean in consideration with his teammate. I think his teammate is just faster than him right now. Ferrari have taken one of the greatest driver pairings, potential driver pairings in history, where you've got the pure pace of Leclerc, the brains, the smartest guy on the on the grid, Sebastian Vettel, at setting up the car, at everything. Sebastian Vettel is the smartest and most well-educated uh, um, man on the grid. And yet, they have shat the bed. Vettel is literally taking calls. If you think about the uh, pitting, uh, which race was it that Leclerc pitted onto softs and Vettel called in Hungary? Yes. That is just one tiny example of how deep Ferrari's problems actually go. They refuse to accept that Vettel is taking the right calls just because he is leaving. I agree, I agree, Kay. Amumit made a comment in the chat saying Vettel himself said the mediums were not actually that good. And I agree. The mediums were not good. But pitting, but wasting wasting that strategy, extending a a tyre which is about three to four tenths a lap slower than you'd ideally want it to be, extending it by about five or six laps and pitting onto hearts for the rest of the race, fine, the hearts may not be the best tyre, but it's very, very difficult to overtake here. Vettel could actually have finished ahead of um, I feel Carlos Sainz if 
Ferrari didn't fuck up his race. Sorry, sorry about the language, but that is that is a fact. So understandable. I I personally think he would have finished even ahead of Stroll because he was already ahead of Stroll before he got over to. Yeah, those those softs were probably dying completely. I agree with you, Rand. He did. If he was on a different compound, you probably would have finished way up higher. There, the one stop was the superior strategy of the weekend. Yeah. Like, either way, I think I think all said and done about Vettel, um, his race yesterday, I know it was a very very different result, but reminded me about the 2018 Bahrain race where he extended yeah, I... his tires beyond what anybody thought he could and got uh, the win there. But I think P7 would feel like a win to him in this scenario. Say, sad to say, but that is the fact of Ferrari's pace. But I think Vettel drove and rightly so got the driver of the day, not just for the way he drove, but the way he had to overcome a crap strategy. He had to fight his team every single lap. So yeah, Vettel was by far the best driver, but by far the best driver on the grid yesterday. No doubt about that for me. I think Casey would disagree with you guys in terms of DOTD, right? I mean, in terms of performance, I'd say he did okay. Um, in the past few races, he hasn't quite been up to the mark, and now he performing like uh, a little better was nice to see. But I don't think it was driver of the day sort of um, driving. That's that's just my opinion. Who would you rate as the driver of the day then? To be honest, it was tough because there wasn't much action. To be honest, and um, I don't know, maybe Perez was because. But this, I'm just like randomly picking up because I do not know who to give driver of the day. Okay, so speaking of the driver of the day, my driver of the day is obviously Carlos Sainz. He did. He was one of the few drivers who did a two-stop and managed to be right up there, and was showing some mega pace throughout his home race. I guess when it's your home race, you probably gain 10 brake horsepower in the car, right, Brandt? Yeah, you do. So he had a. He had a good strategy, soft to soft to medium. Luckily for him, he managed to come out ahead of Magnussen so, or just behind Magnussen and just overtook him immediately. So he didn't lose a lot of time like the others. That played into his hands later on in the race when he was on fr- uh, fresh rubber. Yeah, true. If he probably had a few more laps, he could have gotten the racing points and probably beaten Perez, who had that penalty. But I guess you can take what you get. Given that Lando has finished all the way P10, this was a mega weekend from him. Although, again, he's got the curse, so there's not much footage of him. You can just see from the results of his performance. Adil, would you like to add on him? I guess we don't have Adil. Casey, tell me, what do you think about Science? I think uh, Science is his time and again shown. And also, it was, I think, his home Grand Prix, so I think he did his best. Um, with the tires, with the and the team, with the pit stop, um, he qualified seventh, I think. So he finished finished up place ahead, and uh, I guess it was a, it was a good performance from him this weekend. Nothing much yeah. to add there. I agree with that. Uh, sorry, sorry about that, Baba. It was just my mic. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think Science is drove a stellar race. He maximized the result better than P6, uh, given the race circumstances would not be possible, and the racing points just seemed uh, to have the edge given it's uh, the design of the cars, very similar to that of the Mercedes. Uh, and Mercedes are always strong in, in Spain. True, true. So you can move on to another guy who ran a one-stop and probably would have finished higher. 
barring some questionable penalties regarding blue flags. I guess Bernie was watching over the race and just made that good old call to make the race more interesting. Or that's just my conspiracy hat on. So let's talk about Perez. He was one of the few guys who did one stop and he did finish P5. I don't remember quite sure if Stroll beat him on track or by penalties, but probably you can help me with that. Ran? Stroll beat him on penalties, so Stroll was behind him. But yes, uh, first thing was lacking a bit of pace. He got overtook by Stroll initially at the start. But then he went, he came out on hard tyres, he flew past Stroll. And then he just got the he got a pretty lame penalty, I would say at least that penalty just wasn't deserved. Yeah, true, true, true. Well, Perez is obviously this this track is entirely in terms of tire management and how you do it. And Perez is right up there in terms of the drivers that could actually has a softest right foot. So I guess this was his strong area, and he should have gotten P4. But we take it's fine. It's a good performance either way. Adil. Yeah, Perez, uh, first race back uh, from COVID. So, first of all, I mean, it was great to see him back so soon. Uh, and I'm sure that, uh, and it's obviously not a good experience for any driver to go through. But it was, it was a comeback race for him. Um, I have to say, though, uh, he, he got beaten by his teammate. And I hate to bring this to a Stroll versus Perez conversation. But I just want to point out to all of the Stroll haters, um, he did a pretty he did a pretty good job, and uh, Perez probably was a bit quicker than him in race pace. But at the end of the day, Stroll did enough. Um, sorry, I'm com- com- combining P four and P five. But yeah, that's fine. That works into the topic. It's much <laughs> much more synergetic. Uh, I yeah, agree. But, but yeah, Perez did a stable race, uh, and that's all we could ask for, given. The fact he was out the last two weeks on uh, medical issue, for with medical issues. Yeah, it's true. Stroll is Stroll had like an amazing weekend, I would say. Given that his main crux is his qualifying, he managed to do that decent enough. And then we all knew how good Stroll is on lap one, and he did show it today. With that in yesterday, I mean, with the insane start down to inside of Botas completely bamboozled Botas. He was probably covering off Verstappen, driving him wide, and before he even knew it, there was a racing point on his inside, and there's no way he could have done anything about it. That was some insane racing by Stroll. He stu- he, he, most of the drivers would have backed off into that inside line, but he just stuck through it, powered through it, and it, it showed that he's improving as a driver maximally. And, and as to what people's thoughts are as to who should replace the who Vettel should replace in Aston Martin? I have no clue. I don't want either of these drivers to lose their seat. They're both performing amazing. Brad, what do you think about Stroll and his redemption arc? Well, Stroll just had the, had an amazing race for him. His start was lightning. He just shell-shocked Bottas, Bottas at the start at T1. Bottas almost had to lift off and got overtaken by a couple of other people. Then Stroll just managed his race pretty well. Got re-overtaken by Bottas, but that's as far as it went, he comfortably was, I think, four or five seconds ahead of his teammate and maintaining good pace. But his second stint was a bit different. He was struggling quite a bit, got overtaken by Perez. Pitt again came out in clear air and just with the lucky penalty that, with the unlucky penalty that Perez had, he just had to get within five seconds of Perez. And he managed to do it and gained himself a P4 for all his hard work. 
Yeah, we're forgetting that Perez was probably a pit stop off Lance Stroll. So Lance Stroll gained quite a huge amount of time back on Perez. So let's not just discount him in being in the penalties, uh, winning on penalties. Casey, yep. do you agree with that? Um, I don't quite agree with... Uh, I mean, I did not quite want Perez to get that penalty because I, I, I think I'm sort of a supporter for Perez because his driving is amazing. Um, also, to point out Perez versus Stroll, I think Stroll uh, is coming of age slowly. Um, he's Even if you look at his junior career, he, he's not performed that well in, at the start, but then he's slowly improved and he's got the grasp of the... S- of what he's doing so i think he's slowly improving and and i think he'll start to get up to pace with uh, perez um his quality pace is all the only thing i think he's uh, he needs to improve a bit on but um uh, he's he's done overall really well this weekend yeah i would say stroll has probably needs to improve more on his tire management because he tends to overdrive the car mid corner which probably kills his tires more and more in dividends but yeah. that's another point. Coming on to another driver who probably struggled on his tyres a little bit and let's face it, the fastest um, fastest man of the day, uh, Valtteri Bottas, I mean, the man of the fastest lap. Uh, he finished 44 seconds behind the number 44. And I don't think talking about Valtteri Bottas in this race has much to do because he had a bad start. We all know what happened in this race. But do you think that he actually has the mentality to challenge Lewis for the title. Do you actually feel that he um, can come back in the second half of the season? I I don't think at all. I, I mean, I've lost all hope for Bottas. All that saying about Bottas 1.0, 2.0, I don't think he'll... He's not... The, every year he, he um, gives up on that title. Uh, I think Lewis gets m- much more better with the Do you car. think it's a fact that Lewis is that much better or Bottas loses the mental battle? I, I think Bottas has lost it mentally and I don't think he's and Lewis is only going to get stronger mentally if he keeps doing that and I don't think he's got much yeah. more time now. I don't think the, he's coming back. The issue actually went into quali where Bottas was faster than Lewis for a majority of the weekend. It's only in Q3 where Lewis puts a lap together and Bottas actually does not. Even in, in on a track which had de-evoluted or de-evolutioned, I'm not really what the word is, but uh, when everyone was going slower, Bottas actually managed to improve on his lap. I, he is a faster driver than Lewis, but for some reason, he cracks under pressure. Rant, what do you think about that? You know, I don't agree with that. Too. I, I think Lewis is quite a bit faster than Bottas. Bottas does get a few good laps in a few pole positions, but as a whole, Lewis is much faster. And he's mentally much stronger. You don't win six world titles by being slower than your teammate. Yeah, I, I'll probably agree on the side of Botas and his nerves. He probably, I feel more, it's not entirely Botas's fault. It's also Mercedes' fault, fault, fault more in not trusting in him or providing the confidence that he needs. Because sure, nerves do affect his driving quite a lot. And that's quite a pattern we've been seeing over the past. But... It doesn't help with Mercedes clearly showing him as the number two driver. And like, unless he wins first three, four races in a row of the season, that the race, the battle probably, dynamic probably shifts to him just supporting Lewis and covering off the other drivers and probably giving him his next title. 
So I think it's somewhere 50-50 as to that Botas doesn't feel uh, the team is not confident in Botas and Botas obviously cracks under pressure. That's quite a recurring pattern. So he can throw in a mega lap once in a while. But uh, as we saw in the quality, one thing to touch upon was that in the first two sectors, Botas was always quicker than Lewis. It was only in the last sector that Lewis would gain back tenths, more than a couple tenths, to actually take a faster lap than him. So that is what I would chalk off to experience and time action because to go on the softs around Spain and uh, you need to manage that those tires in the first sector and not like overdrive them to actually gain some grip towards the last sector. And I think all these little niche points is where Botas is losing on. He could he can run away with a few more races this season, but I don't think he's championship material at least. He is like the ultimate, like next generation Barrichello. So yeah, there's just leave well it to said. that. Well said. We'll let's talk about the man of the past few weekends, I guess. First happen. He just doesn't fail to break your expectations each and each and every weekend. I just don't yeah. understand how that man does it. And he's, he's probably an alien. <laughs> he is a very, very good driver. And but Despite Max finishing P2, I think there's not much to say about his race. Uh, he had a very boring race, sitting well behind Hamilton in P2, ahead of Bottas in P3. Bottas put him under pressure a little bit in the second stint, but apart from that, it really wasn't much of a uh, much of an issue. Um, for me, Max did, did his job, got ahead of Bottas at the start, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, he was driving quite of a Hamiltonesque race, right? That's what it reminds me really of his past two, three weekends. He's just out there in clean air, managing his tires, no competition really. Yeah, so it's I like Hamilton. I, I don't want to say he's because he was actually quick, um, without despite his car instead of quick because he has a good car. So I would say he drove a Stappenesque or an Alonsoesque race. Yeah, my reference was more to as in no competition, just chilling. You know, talking to his engineer and all that. So that's like, it's what Hamilton is used to these post past years. So that's what I meant. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, he's mad. And what do you think about him? Future WDC? Yeah, I think he's a future world driver champion. But let us not forget, he gave us the most exciting moment of the race with his rant on his team engineer about the strategy and Lewis and Mercedes and everything. I think that was the best part of the entire race, the most enjoyable at least. And yeah, he had a he had a good race. P2 is always good when you are behind Lewis Hamilton, who is probably racing as good as he has ever raced. At least this weekend he was fit. His race would, was very very well. Lewis Hamilton's racing in a car in as as well as he's ever raced. I'm just gonna say he's in a better car than he's ever had. Yeah, that's yeah. a great. I don't think he actually was pushing that hard. He was just so comfortable in the race. He didn't that's have to push hard. He went in and everything. Uh, I mean, I that's not a sign uh, of a great driver. That's just a sign of a, of a driver who's gotten the right package. That you don't need to push. That That's something which isn't good for Formula 1. The moment drivers don't need to drive fast, that's not really good for the sport, is it? Yeah, no, yeah. it's not good. But for the team, it's the perfect scenario for them. They want to minimize their engine wear with the, the best performance they can get. And you cannot get a better performance than a victory. Like they say, a win by a second or a minute, still a win. Dude, don't worry, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about Hamilton right now. I'm just talking about the yeah. Mercedes. About the Let's Mercedes. not get stuck up on Hamilton. Casey has something to add on Verstappen. 
What do you think, Casey? I think Max um, this he all does what he does best, and that's maximum effort. He, True. I don't think there's anything more we can use to describe him. Yes, it's Alonso, Alonso deja vu. And to add something on Verstappen, over the past years, he's become more of a likable figure, slowly and slowly, in terms of how he deals with the press, how he's on the radio, how he drives his race car. Because as you remember, Crash Tappen wasn't one of the most likable figures on the grid for quite a while. But his improvement has been monumental. And let's not chalk it off to him being old or something, because he's quite very much young. And those gains are going to be exponential each and every year. So I just hope that he actually gets a decent enough car to destroy Hamilton. And with that, we can possibly move on to Hamilton. And Rand can probably shed some light on a more Hamilton-sided argument as to, like, what do you think? Is his car too overpowered or is it a combination of both? Uh, just to make it clear, I'm not a Hamilton fan. I'm the polar opposite of it. But I still think he managed the race very comfortably and he was he didn't make a single mistake, drove pretty well. He didn't have to push that hard. That's true. He had the best package. He did the everything was done in qualifying and the race start. That was his entire race. Just get pole, get off the line cleanly, lead into turn one, and that's the race for Yeah, him not improving on his time in Q3 was not very Hamilton, right? I I was pretty much sure up until the last moment, and like we have a Hamilton fan in Real SD. He was absolutely sure that Bottas would run away with the pole, but I knew that the third sector was literally Bottas's worst area, and he he went purple in the first two sectors, but he just couldn't do it in the third sector. And as we know it ourselves, we've driven it in Spain. Third sector is one of the most. If you don't get it right, it costs you quite a lot. So that says quite a lot about how. Hamilton is actually maximizing his last sector for the win. I think and his sector is like all about patience. The more patient you are, the better you 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 are gonna get that sector right. True, true, true. I would chalk it down to car control and how smooth the driver is. In to say about that, I really enjoy Hamilton's driving style, be it the car or not, in the way how he straightens his car, how he goes down the gears smoothly. Actually. He doesn't need to fight the car while coming up to the corner, but again, that might be the car. But we've seen it before also. He's always has this smooth technique and it helps him a lot. So, it, and his starts are probably the most important thing. Like if Botas figures out his starts, he could probably make Hamilton sweat and keep him honest into T1. So, I don't know. Adil? Um, good race from Hamilton. Um, despite uh, whether it's the car, whether it's him, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a combination of both. Um, at the end of the day, he did beat his teammate, so he did the job. There's nothing more to say. Whether his teammate was good, whether his teammate was bad, Hamilton did enough. I really feel bad for the sport more than anything else uh, that um, he didn't, that he doesn't really have to push hard, hard. Um, and sorry, but just one point, I think. Actually, I don't have a much more interesting topic to talk about. Hamilton winning is, let's face it, uh, I think we're all tired of talking about that. But Black Sheep did ask a question earlier that, do you know why heat is not as much of an issue for Mercs um, as it was quite warm, as it was warmer in Spain than it was in Britain last week? Or week before last, well, last week, sorry. Um, yeah, actually, Black Sheep, I do have some insight on that. Um, 
number one is Spain is a very different track in terms of its nature. And I think that's actually not my not one of my points. It's the only point. Uh, Spain is a very different track in nature. And if we spoke, uh, what we spoke about last week was that the most, the longer wheelbase you have, the more yaw there is to a car, especially mid corner. But because you are, it, the change of direction is in slow speed corners and not in high speed corners. The tires do not load up as much, and the, and there's less slip. Uh, because there's less slip and less friction, the outer part of the tires doesn't transmit as much heat into, uh, into the carcass. Yeah. To add on that, also Spain has very little long corners, as you might say. Like there's like barely a few. The turn nine or turn seven, the fast right hand up the cliff. That's probably on the few corners and T two, one of the few corners that actually loads the tire. Which is a fast, fast, high speed long corner, which actually kills the tires. But Silverstone in that aspect has many of them, which obviously puts more load on the tires. And let's not forget, these are the, so the same compound. As the ray, the first British Grand Prix where the tires blew up, but the Silverstone nature of the circuit is much more longer corners and faster corners, which in turn puts more load on the tires. So I don't think uh, this we could actually compare it in that sense. That why didn't they explode here? It's quite a different track. Yep. Uh, so I think. Um, so does Rand? Do you have any insight into the tire heat, or have you gone through that topic at all? Yeah, so what Pirelli did this weekend was they recommended a higher minimum pressure than they were recommending recommending at Silverstone. That also helped because the lower the tire pressure is, the more likely it is to blow up eventually. I think it's the other way around based on what Hamilton said last week. So the moment Verstappen was so much better on his tires, um, he immediately called out that they're running lower tire pressures or lower pressures. Yeah. So you can I run. Think- a- in 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 GT cars, in GT cars, I think it's slightly different, where the higher tire pressures have lower temperatures. But in Formula, I think higher tire tire temps have higher tire pressures of higher temps. Yeah, higher tire pressure of higher temps, but uh, lower tire pressures eventually blow up because the tire can actually move around a bit more due to lower pressure. So the wear at the edge of the tire is much more. Yeah, hence, no. it, hence, a minimum tire pressure, not a maximum one. Yeah, more of the tire wall is exposed onto the surface when the pressures are lower. So you, probably the deck won't be high, but the tire is vulnerable to explode. Vulnerable, uh, and we always see blow-ups at the edge, not in the on the center of the tire. True, true. I think that is a great insight what uh, Rant has uh, given us. I, 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 did I totally not, Yeah, I, I actually learned something new. I did not quite think it like that. Like it would move more under lower pressure. Let's let's summarize the race a bit now. There's like a few talking points I would like to go on before we finish up. Uh, I would like to touch upon the one-stop versus two-stop strategy and how and when should the teams employ it and how do some drivers actually have an edge on the other drivers in that perspective. Let's start off with Rand since we're just talking about tires and you helped us a lot. So I think one-stop pain is better than a two-stop because it's really difficult to overtake. Preferably, softs to hards was a good strategy. Pit around lap 24, 25 from softs to hards, and you could survive the rest of the race with decent tire, decent speed, and the tires not falling off the cliff. That's part of, uh, that's the best strategy for this track. Two stop could be done if you're a mark, you can get past others, but 
or if you are max verstappen you can get past others but for everyone else it was a riskier choice yeah let me reiterate my point was not specifically to spain i would say coming down the further races also and the previous races also how some drivers actually edged up on the other drivers in the one stop and how some drivers just didn't go for the one stop even though it was obviously in in hindsight a, a superior strategy so if you could add on that before i'll ask adil also that has a lot to do with the car setup and the way the driver touches his throttle a car with less downforce would be a bit easier on the tires though it would be struggling to maintain constant tire temperatures and a driver who's smoother on the throttle like a perez would definitely be able to do a one stop at almost any circuit unless we have a situation like the 70th anniversary grand prix where the tires were just too soft to pull off a single stop even though i think leclerc managed it but it was risky but other than that the smoother you are on the throttle the longer your tires would be lasting yeah and i think there is a recurring pattern recurring pattern in in terms of which drivers actually opt for the one stop there's a few names shuffling in between there but you always see the likes of leclerc perez right up in there so i agree with you adil what do you think about this entire topic of one stop versus two stop yeah i think uh, so i completely agree with rand by the way um there are some drivers who are very good on the tires like max like leclerc uh, and i don't mean having a really fast car so you can drive slowly that's not what i'm talking about uh i'm more talking about um a situ- situation i think engine power is something that in addition to all of the points spoken about engine power is something we should probably take into consideration so if a team like racing point uh who've got great aero which is mean they can run lower drag setups because their car rotates quite well they can afford to run the one stops because cars on tracks like spain cars are going to find it very difficult to overtake but coming into spa which is uh uh maybe 44 laps but overtaking is very very easy um we might see the two stop actually be better because you're going to find it hard to keep the cars uh behind you so it i think the the engine power is also something you definitely need to take into consideration in terms of your ability to ability to defend or attack so yeah certainly that is another concept i would like to touch upon yeah that's an interesting point you're bringing up in terms of how you can hold up the cars behind with the one stop and if you can't to stop that's quite insightful and i quite, i learned a lot there kesi would you add on that what do you think is two stop still the superior one or did you miss something about the benefits of two stop um i think if if it's a slow driver two stop is is the way to go but if you have you have an experienced driver in your team i think like perez and uh vettel i think one stop is uh, is it's not too bad at all you're right you're right but let's move on to the other point i want to talk about what about these blue flag penalties you saw this weekend what do you think about that adil they were ashamed they won't there when vettel was a lead lap car because there would have been a lot of penalties <laughs> blue flag blue flag okay yeah, or, yeah, anyway but uh certainly it's um i think blue flag penalties are man I'm, i'm one of the few who probably agrees with the penalty if a driver doesn't get out of the way in time um they they aren't the leaders have the leaders have much more at stake it's their fault there's a reason ocon got the penalty in brazil even though it was definitely max's fault it's because ocon was a was a backmarker True. i mean that, that incident itself was 120% max's fault 
but true, true. at the same time um at the same time i completely i don't feel ocon should be should have been challenging max and i'm sorry i'm taking a slightly more contentious back marker lead lap situation but i think that's one probably can explain it a little much much better that if you are a back marker and you know you're going to be slower in a lap or two there there is you need to get the hell out of the way whether you're just letting somebody pass or anything else yeah um anyway i think i think that's all we had for today and in perfect timing because uh babaji did have uh, our second podcast member to have technical difficulties so i think that's that's quite that that's our destiny laid out right there <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add uh kc rant um i guess no i but i'm looking forward to spa i suppose uh i think it's going to be interesting um yeah but let's see we we never know do you think the racing points will be closer to closer to the mercedes and spa given the less emphasis on aero and more emphasis on on Straight engine power uh engine um i don't know cuz the concept of car have changed a lot i mean they used to be the team that used to have the highest top speed and we've seen last year how they i think it was last year where they almost overtook the leader as well yeah right yeah 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 there is nice ringtone by the way. Uh, <laughs> no problem. Yeah oh, so I think racing point are <laughs> racing point are a low drag setup a low drag uh, concept so uh, hopefully we can see if Mercedes was a Mercedes uh, Red Bull or Ferrari or any Ferrari engine power car or McLaren Renault will not be in the mix. Uh from Spain to Spa we'll see you next weekend. And uh, thank you all for joining Casey Rant uh, welcome to the podcast. and we hope to see you uh in the weeks to come as well thank you guys yeah. and good night i'm opportunity